Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. Hi, this is Adam Hawkins. Today, I am here with a friend of the show, Jamin Roller. Given what where we've been over the past few episodes talking about anxiety, we thought it'd be important to look at what the Bible, what Jesus himself says about anxiety. So we're doing a mini episode today. We'll be in Matthew 6, looking at verses 25 through 34. Our hope is that Devo style, you would open up your Bible and follow along with us. In Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, Jesus, really in the middle of his sermon, on the Sermon on the Mount, starts talking specifically about anxiety. Uh, so like Adam said, I would love for you to just read along with us, and then we'll take some time as we read to just uh, hear and discuss together uh, what Jesus is saying and how he's trying to help us move from fear and worry and anxiety towards peace. So he starts in 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. That's really the setup for the conversation, really how he introduces anxiety. And I think what strikes me about it, Adam, is um, just one, how personal it is, but but really the there's a lot of definition and clarity within what Jesus is describing. So he's looking at an audience in front of him. Uh, hundreds of people on the side of the mountain with him. And like we talked about in our last episode, uh, really he names the anxieties of the crowd. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Um, I don't know, as you read that, how is Jesus helping us understand what anxiety is in naming those specific things? I think in some ways he is going to the most core needs of who we are. So the very first, what he tells us to first not be anxious about is life, mm-hmm. our life itself. And then in some ways he sort of, I think he's doing a few things, but in some ways he's actually talking about sort of what comprises life, you know, our sustenance, our need, you know, when he says what you will eat or drink, uh, he's talking about the source of life in some ways. Don't be anxious about how you're going to survive, nor about your body. That could be your health or things like that, which is, which again is core to who we are. And then he goes to what you will put on, the ways in which we protect ourselves from the outside world, etc. Um, and so it, I think there's a way to read this and miss that he's really speaking to the core of who we are. He's not just naming like don't be anxious, you know, just about things and your job and stuff. He's going deep right away. Yeah, they're the kinds of things that you would expect if you are able or if you should be anxious about anything. Certainly you should be anxious about your food and about, you know, your body, what you'll put on. I think what's helpful is obviously these verses come in the context of a larger sermon. And so just a few minutes before Jesus said this, he teaches us to pray and actually teaches us to ask for what we'll eat says give us this day our daily bread so i think what what's helpful about it is what he's not saying is he's not saying you shouldn't care about you what you eat you shouldn't care about your clothes but there's something about our relationship with those basic needs that he is prohibiting right there's something about there's a way that those things can become thwarted or distorted in some ways 
Um, and I, I, I think it's actually connected to where he goes, which we'll get to in a minute when he ends and says, you know, he's talking about seek first the kingdom of God. And he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. So there's some point where it seems like for Jesus, our care and concern for good things becomes a sinful anxiety for those good things. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think the next question is really important when he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So what you just said a second ago, so much about anxiety is... Um, not necessarily worry about bad things. He's speaking about the real issues of life, is Mm -hmm. what he said. Um, But then so much of combating worry and anxiety is remembering what's true. And so, to your point, he's not telling us not to care at all, but he is reminding us that there is something more fundamental. There's something greater than what we will what what we will eat and how we will protect ourselves. There's something even deeper than that. At least that's where I go when I read it. Yeah, when we walked through it uh, here at our church, uh, I guess a month ago, when we walked through these passages, uh, kind of an illustration that I found helpful, at least for my understanding, is that um, anxiety, at least the kind that Jesus is describing, is is almost like the the scary music that can play in a movie or in a TV show, right? The ominous music that plays that that lets the audience know that something bad is about to happen. And um, anxiety is not necessarily saying, I I want to eat, I care about eating and and clothes and those things. But it's when we uh, read that kind of ominous music into the future of those things where our uh, care uh, goes outside of the limits of what we can control to where there is this incessant obsession with what's going to happen to me. Something bad is going to happen and I won't eat again, even though I ate today. Something bad's going to happen and I won't have clothes tomorrow, even though I had clothes today. And, and you're right, Jesus begins to, um, in love and brilliance and gentleness, begins to kind of dismantle some of that with his questions, right? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, as a follower of God, as a disciple of Jesus, is there not meaning in your life that even hunger can't take away? Mm. Is there not meaning in your life that even, you know, being exposed can't take away? And the answer is is obviously yes. He, that's actually a feature of his conversation with anxiety, as he uses these questions to really get to the root underneath so much of our worry. He he says uh, one of my favorites is he says, "In uh, which of you?" This is verse twenty seven. Which of you, by being anxious? can add a single hour to his span of life. There's something really simple and challenging about that, that he exposes how inefficient worry and anxiety is, how it, it worry really um, doesn't have a reward to it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. And the, the metaphor you use about the ominous music playing over the lens with which we see our future is, you know, we kind of infecting our thoughts about the future. I love the idea that what he's doing is actually rewriting that dangerous music, that ominous music, and he's putting the the melodies of peace back over our lives by mm. doing what he's doing here. So that idea of which of you can of which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your span of life. He is exposing, absolutely, he's exposing the lie the, of control, right? Mm-hmm. That if somehow I 
can co- I, I, if I worry about this enough, if I think about this enough, I can cobble together some solution that's going to make the music disappear, but it doesn't, right? It doesn't. What actually makes it disappear is understanding, is, is trusting that God has better for you than yeah. you even could yourself. Yeah, and I think that there are two things that I kind of came across in studying this passage that I don't think I'll ever not think of in reading it is one was a quote from Mark Twain that I heard from another pastor who said, worry is interest paid on a debt that you may never owe. Mm. And just this idea that it's, there is something very fruitless about it. And then the second truth is um, how, what you really need when your fears come true is you need character to be able to persevere through suffering and loss. And so much of our anxiety is uh, assuming a suffering and loss that's coming in the future. But the reality is, is that worry is not something that actually forges character in us. It doesn't build character. Mm. And so in Jesus asking, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? Embedded in that is also this reality that by being anxious, you're not actually becoming the person you would need to be if the things you fear actually came true in your life. If anxiety is so fruitless, if this type of worry does not forge character that will actually help us in our days of suffering, then what do we do, maybe, is the question that's begged from that. There's a truth that is captured in, in two questions that Jesus asks, and they kind of sandwich that uh, that point about worry not adding to our life or forging character. 26, he says, look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And the piercing question, which is also a conclusion, are you not of more value than they? Mm-hmm. Very similar to 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they neither grow nor uh, toil nor spin. You know, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? One of the points he's making is that flowers are temporal, but what is true about the people of God is that they are eternal. They have uh, this value to them, not just being made in the image of God, but then also being rescued and being in covenant with a faithful God. I, I think that that value question, are you not more valuable than they, that if we were to follow so many of the things that we're afraid of and kind of do the work of getting underneath that, that so much of those fears are tied to questions of value. Like if I don't get the promotion and then I don't make the kind of money and then I lose my job maybe, then I will be the kind of person that's unemployed. And what will that say about my value if the relationship doesn't work out? And then I, uh, you know, I never get married and, and then I'd be the kind of person that's unlovable and unwanted. And so much of that interaction between um, our fears of the future and then our low views of ourself, or, or, or maybe not even low view of ourself, but our low view of what God mm-hmm. thinks about us. Yeah. Yeah, I think, so I think there's two things to that. One is exactly what you say, how our fears are tied to our value is that one way. If I don't get the promotion, does this mean something about me or God? Or or maybe the way you said it was, this must mean that I am worthless or mm-hmm. something. It's tied to this value statement. There's another though question, which is, if I feel this way, what does that mean about how God thinks of me? And I think one thing he's also doing here, it may not be explicit, is to say, regardless of how you feel, 
about this anxiety when he says, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I think one thing is that maybe, and this is a hard truth, but maybe despite how you feel, your feelings do not change how God feels about you mm-hmm. and the value he sees in you. And I think that's important maybe for, as you talked in the last episode about the spectrum of anxiety, there is the type of anxiety that comes about worrying about your job, etc. But then there's that type of anxiety that comes from being in a broken world mm-hmm. and you just feel terrible because something's wrong with you, you sure. know, I mean, I mean, physically or chemically or whatever. We talked or, about that as kind of the suffering side of the anxiety versus the sin struggle side of it that's right and i so if you're on the suffering side of the spectrum which we all will be on some in in some point of our life i think drawing conclusions about your value based on the fact that you are suffering can be very dangerous and i think god would still say to you are you not more valuable than they Mm. even when you're suffering Mm. um even when it feels like life is going wrong God still looks at you and says he loves you and that there is still purpose to your life. Me, me, you know, one of those is seeking the kingdom of God. Yeah. That, and that's where it all is kind of, it, it crescendos in that. That's his, you know, if he uses these questions in this section to kind of diagnose and, and maybe uproot some of the anxiety, the answer uh, is consistent with the whole message of the Sermon on the Mount. If you're familiar with the, with chapters five and the rest of six and all of seven, but the answer is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's verse 33. Um, you know, Adam, I remember listening to the mini episode that you did, I guess it was two episodes ago, and I think, you know, the two of us sitting here talking about anxiety, my experience with it would probably be more on the sin struggle side. I, I can see so much of my you know, pride and, and um, self-righteousness so connected to anxiety. I think you've experienced it at a level of suffering that, that I've never experienced. What is, what is verse 33 as the answer? How does that land on you, just knowing your story and your relationship with this? That's, that's a really good question, and, and I would just say that it, in some ways it means everything. Um, because of what I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, there is a way that shame can kind of um, can can weasel its way into this whole conversation. There's also a way that apathy or depression can sort of weasel its way in, meaning um, it's or a sense of self-loathing can mm-hmm. weasel its way in, meaning you're kind of going, "I feel this way," um, and so I will. There's, I literally am useless or I have no purpose, right? There's a way that that can creep in as well. And so under understanding that seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what I hear in that is twofold. One is that, again, my value is not dependent upon how I'm feeling, but two, that I still have a purpose and a mission. And every day, as I lean into Christ's gentleness and mm-hmm. his mercy, every day is another opportunity uh, to do what? To seek his kingdom, which means to to seek after his love and his grace and his mercy and his purposes and his mission. And man, there's a ton of motivation for suffering people in that because the malaise of life that can settle on you, the sense of purposelessness and meaninglessness that can come from chronic suffering um, is really insidious. But to know that there's somewhere that you still have a job to do is the bad way of saying it, but you still have grace to experience, joy to experience, 
and purpose to experience in the midst of your suffering is right here to me in verse 33. Yeah, he doesn't say you're anxious and that means you can't play a meaningful role in the kingdom. That's right. Uh, he says, in your anxiety, consider if, if I just think about him trying to pastor and minister and shepherd as a, as a kindly king, he has said, remember that what life is really about. He said, worry is worthless. He has said, you matter to God. Believe that you matter to God. And if God has cared for his creation, how much more will he care for you? And then he said, your anxiety has not disqualified you from playing a meaningful role in what God is doing. You are not a, a godless Gentile who believes God is absent, but you are someone who's right now invited to be a citizen in the very cusp of the kingdom that's breaking in to this world. And that kingdom will one day bring eternal peace where there is no worry and there is no fear and there is no anxiety. And so seek that, seek your place in that, seek the God who invites you into that. It's, it's beautiful. And I think that's a great note to end on. Um, so for those of you who are listening and maybe suffering from anxiety or trying to help somebody who is suffering from anxiety, I think this is a really good place to start. I hope it's been illuminating for you. And um, I would also just say, again, for those who are suffering, don't do it alone. You know, go to your local church. You'll find answers there and you'll find people who are willing to help. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. As a reminder, we would love to hear from you about your story of mental health and how the past year has affected that. So you can call 214-238-4639 and leave a voicemail, and we may use it in a future episode. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Derrett and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review where you listen to the podcast and also follow us on Instagram. Thanks and God bless. Thank you.